Finding Family is a podcast that uses personal storytelling to explore and dissect the definition of family. Centering on the voices of BIPOC individuals, my hope is that we can contribute to the societal definitions of family, use storytelling to deepen our authentic personal understanding, to uplift and heal through sharing, and to make a global impact on our communities through these conversations. Thanks for joining me today. Don't forget to join me on Instagram at Finding Family Podcast or on my website at findingfamily.buzzsprout.com. Transportation. We never took the bus or the train or a plane. We drove everywhere. When we went on vacation, camping, drove. When we went down the shore, drove. When we took a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Disney World in Florida, our family drove 24 hours straight to get there. My parents took turns, no time for a hotel. When you grow up in the 70s and 80s, the idea of a car was a lot different than it is today. For one, safety was not the biggest concern like it is today. There weren't a lot of safety features like airbags, and those that did exist, like seatbelts, were only a mild suggestion. Comfort was king in these giant gas-guzzling beasts on our road. As a kid, the back seat felt more like a sofa on wheels, and we were happy to get driven around by my father. Our family lived close to New York City, so things like buses and trains were all around us. In fact, our neighborhood was located right next to a railroad crossing, so the sounds of trains reminds me of home, especially in the fall when the air is crisp. Here in Seattle, even if I hear a faint train horn sound, it reminds me of home. Don't tell anyone, but as kids, we used to play by the train track, putting pennies or other coins on the train track, and then waiting for the train to come by to flatten them. We also used to go close to the train trestle, that's fancy for that's a fancy word for a bridge, where we tried to live out our best stand-by-me dreams. In that movie, they walked the train tracks to find a dead body, but in our reality, we hardly crossed the train bridge because it was just way too high for my nerves. Playing by the train was obviously not our smartest idea, but when you don't have a lot of options like computers, iPads, or other things teens have today, you make your own fun. Nowadays, I get four flattened pennies from machines and it costs $5. Every time this happens, and I mean every time, I think to myself, we got these for free on the train tracks. And of course, we're lucky no one ever got hurt. When we didn't have a parent available, and let's face it, as Gen Xers, we didn't have a lot of parental supervision at any time. We used our bikes. If you've ever seen the movie E.T., The Extraterrestrial, That bike scene when they fly up in the sky was something from our dreams. Anytime we had to get to a friend's house or try to get to the store with our little bits of money to buy candy, we took our bikes. I had this BMX bike, it was red and blue, that my father bought me for my birthday. It was one gear, so it was hard to get up and down any hills. Not to mention, I wasn't the most fit kid. I still am not. But bikes were our transportation as kids, and if I'm honest, it was really fun to get around this way. And to this day, I still love to go on a bike ride, but only if the trail is mostly flat. Buses were also 
everywhere in our town, mostly coming to and from larger city centers like Newark and New York City. It wasn't until we were teenagers that we discovered that we could sneak into the city using these buses. We'd scrounge around for enough change, sneak out of the house, take a bus to the Port Authority, walk around Times Square, and then come back. Our rebellions weren't that rebellious. But the bus allowed for a level of freedom that we desired as we lived in our teenage years. Even my mother later realized that driving into the city was too much and took to riding the bus to see friends. When my sister, who was older, got her license, it was assumed she would be offering me a ride to high school with her. She owned this junky red Cadillac Cimarron. My dad was so proud to own a Cadillac in our family that he went out and bought one of the least powerful, junkiest cars ever made, in my opinion. The car was used. Again, he just drove it into our driveway with it, didn't bother to check in with any of us. Only some of the features work worked and had some of the hardest steering and managing. That car was just a beast. When we went up hills, we never knew if the car was going to actually make it to the top. I still remember sitting in that red Cimarron, trying to warm up on a cold winter day and never actually got warm, wondering if we were going to make it to our high school safely. Again, we were lucky we didn't have any major issues. I also have a lot of great memories in friends' cars, particularly a gray Chevette named Gus. My best friend, Paul, you can check out our podcast episode, bought this hatchback and it became our official mascot our senior year. We went everywhere in that car, to the city, down the shore, to the mall, everywhere. Because most of our friends were singers, we also sang a lot in that car too. Songs like Free Fallen by Tom Petty, The Joker by the Steve Miller Band, and the entire Like a Prayer album by Madonna, among other late 80s and 90s hits. We'd scream at the top of our lungs, sometimes switching the song lyrics to make them more applicable to us, but we always tried to stay in tune. Looking back, where we lived played as much of a part of how we moved around as anything else. We are eventually middle class enough that a car was our best bet, but we knew that we had options, like the bus or a train. Like many things, as kids, we never thought to ourselves, how are we going to get there? We had rides to school, had access to many modes to get around, had friends who also had cars, sometimes even fancy ones, and when we were old enough to drive, had our own cars. I had the privilege of never needing to ask for anything like this, asking for bus change or anything like that. I also never got the chance to ask my parents what they thought of us having our own cars, what it must have felt like to watch us just drive out of the driveway in this car that they had just bought. I don't think I realized how much family experience I had while moving through the world in some kind of vehicle. Whether chosen or blood family, I lived a lot of life in a very small space. I remember the fun and wild times and also the quieter, more reflective times I spent in cars, coming, trying to find my own freedom, understanding my own experience, or just being with the people who are experiencing the same things at the same time. 
How about you? Maybe you're listening to this podcast in a car. What family experiences have you had in that car or any other transportation method? Have you had any pivotal family moments while moving in the world? What were they and where do they live in your experience? What do cars, transportation, moving through the world, what does this mean to you? And what does it have to do with your family? This episode was recorded, edited, and produced on Coast Salish land in Seattle, Washington. I want to take a moment to acknowledge the past, present, and future of these important Indigenous communities. Learn from our past, believe the truth, help where you can. You can learn more about Finding Family on my website at findingfamily.buzzsprout.com or on Instagram at findingfamilypodcast. I'm always looking for folks to interview. So if you're listening and you're interested, please email me at findingfamilypodcasts, that's with an S, at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. Music was composed, performed, and produced by Jung Garahi Guapo. Have a great rest of your day and thanks for listening in.